And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, and much, much more each and every Monday to kick off your week with a bang. Why not give it a trial over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Linda Malone. Linda's the founder over at The Coffee Works. Linda, welcome to the show. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No worries at all, Linda. So we're going to be chatting today some simple ways on how everyone tuning in can write high converting copy content that's going to drive some leads, drive some revenues, drive some new customers for their business. So first and foremost, what actually is conversion copywriting? I see this term thrown around all, all over social, all over different platforms. What does it really mean, Linda? Well, the thing is, and people, some people have argued with me and said, oh, it's the same, you know, copywriting is copywriting. It's not true because you can okay. use down to different types of copywriting. So conversion copywriting is copywriting that is geared specifically to help businesses create or generate more revenue. So you can have, as opposed to, it's often compared to direct response copywriting. Direct right. response, just to kind of differentiate. Those are the ads you see all over the place. It's like, they don't take into account really the audience. It's like, think of a, a fast food ad, for example. You know, it's, it's not geared to a specific audience. It's very general, where what I do is very specific to, to creating revenue. Everything I do is based on decision-making psychology and that sort of thing. Got it. So does that mean this type of content, as opposed to, like you say, being quite generic, like some adverts that you might see for broader companies like McDonald's, Burger King, et cetera, whereas this is different in the fact that it's geared towards a certain, audi a certain audience that we want to take a particular action? Is, is that the kind of, the kind of um, premise or the goal of it? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot to it, but it's geared... There's, there's premises like, um, for example, the stages of awareness I take into account, which is where is that person in their decision-making journey? So you've probably heard this, like unaware, somebody who doesn't know they have a problem. Pain aware is typically when people start thinking, okay, I need, I have an issue, I have a challenge, I need to resolve it. And yep. then you have like solution aware, most aware. And so the, the copy that I write is geared to, to that particular stage of that person's decision making. And the way I would know it is if somebody says, listen, people are coming from a Facebook ad. Okay. So they're product aware. They know what you offer. So you don't have to write as much. So that page would be written differently than the homepage, for example, which captures everyone. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That would be interesting actually to chat about perhaps how you deal with copy from different audiences, like whether that audience is cold i.e. they're coming from an ad that they never heard of your brand, whether they're warm and they've perhaps been following your brand somewhere, whether that's social, LinkedIn, another platform for a while, and then they're coming to your site or your landing page. Um, yeah, that would certainly be interesting to, to chat about that type of traffic and how you deal with that in terms of your copy shortly. Mm -hmm. But is copy really that important when it comes to, to getting people to convert? I thought you had to just have a really nice design and you could sling a few words, sling a call to action there, maybe chuck a form and then people will probably inquire with you, right? 
wrong, but, but a lot of people think that. So copy is, is often called like your 24 seven online salesperson. So your copy is on your website. If you know, we're talking about websites because copy could be email, it could be ads, could be anything, but on your website, it would be, it's there when you're sleeping. It's there all the time. So that when someone lands on your site, you don't, they, you know, the person who lands there doesn't have the opportunity to speak to you. So that copy has to say whatever it is that you want it to say to capture their attention and hopefully take right. action. So yeah. it's very important. And it works along with the design, like the two things go together. Yeah. 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 I know we spoke about this a little bit when I came on your show quite recently, but are you, what's, what's your thoughts? So if people are putting together landing pages or are putting together websites, do you think the content always needs to come first? Is there ever a situation where the design can be crafted and then content can be added later or they can be done simultaneously? You know, it's supposed to be the, the copy is supposed to determine the design. Personally, I like to have kind of an idea of what the, the design is or what the previous design was, if it's like for a new website. But I will usually take off on different directions. For example, a lot of what I do is kind of walking people through the pain that they're currently in before I offer the solution. And if the page is very short, um, and that's the way the design is, it can be hard for me to work around that. So yet yeah, the, the copy really should determine the design, but I like to work hand in hand with the designer to, to kind of come up with a solution that works for both of us. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. I mean, I guess if you can get a rough idea of what the visuals are going to look like, so you know, what's going to go where, and then if you can, like you say, start crafting the copy out, because if you don't know how big the design is going to be, maybe there's too much text, too little text, and the website just looks off or gets thrown out and all this annoying things that I experience when I'm working on web projects. So I completely get that. Now, jumping back to what we were talking about now um, a little bit earlier, in terms of, because like you say, with um, visitors, doesn't matter if they're going to a website, to a landing page, or seeing your content in the LinkedIn feed, how can content affect, how can copy affect from a conversion standpoint of view, or how can it be put to best use when it comes to dealing with a cold audience? Um, and feel free to perhaps use maybe someone that's just seeing your company for the first time, maybe clicking a Google ad, or maybe clicking a, a social ad or something like that, or maybe seeing you in the LinkedIn feed, through to someone that's perhaps more warm, where they've perhaps been following your brand for a long time, whether that is on social media, maybe they've been reading your emails your weekly emails or listening to a podcast and then they're going to a page how do the how do cold audiences compare to warm i guess is the first point and then how how should your copy your content be created to cater to for almost both well if someone is unaware of your solution or service that you need to provide them with more information than someone who is already aware of what you do. So this is why you see, and there's a lot of talk a lot about these really long form sales pages and people are, you know, these pages are so long. That's because a long form sales page is taking someone from one stage of awareness, which is sometimes unaware. They don't know what your product or service does and takes them through all the stages of awareness. So by the time they get to the bottom, they know that your product is the one for them. So if you have someone who's coming from an ad, for example, you want them to go to a page that doesn't have all that preemptive you know, information because they're like, all right, just tell me where the buy button is. I'm ready. I want to go. So you, you have to know where they're coming from. And the hardest page for this reason, the hardest page to write is the homepage because your homepage is like, I always refer to it as like, if you walk into a big business center and there's the information desk, 
And that homepage is going to tell you where you're going to go. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't, you know, focus on one particular thing. Um, but so you need to, to kind of capture, you have to know what it is, you know, where they're coming from and yeah. then determines how much information that they need. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we can, we can break down best practices. So are you saying if, if someone's warm, the impression I got there, if they've perhaps familiar with your brand or they're perhaps ready to, they know that they've got this particular issue. So maybe they've searched on Google, i.e. I need X provider or I need help with this. They come to your page. You want to make it as quick as possible for them to actually take the desired action. Whereas if you're dealing with someone that's perhaps earlier in, in the sales process, perhaps they don't know your brand, perhaps they're doing more research or perhaps they're comparing options then the, the copy of the page need to work, needs to work harder to kind of leverage the problem, leverage the issue, and then show how you're best fitted to, to actually tackle it. Is that right? right. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. so it's, it's, and the thing is, I think um, we've talked about this in the past is how people can go from an unaware stage to a most aware, which is the other end of the spectrum. If it's something that I think I use the example of a lot of a, a plumber, you know, you, you know, don't think about your plumbing until all of a sudden your pipes burst. And now it's like, okay, I did not even know I had a problem. And now it's like, I, I need somebody now. So then you want to have that page that just says what they need. You know, you don't want to take them through, oh, you know, the, the pain of what they just are going through and they don't want to hear yeah. about that. It's like, I know where I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 You just want to make it as easy as possible for them to, to get the job done, get it fixed. Makes sense. How do you think um, copy content stacks up against things like social proof? Because I know when we're building out web pages, we're building out landing pages, social proof like testimonials, um, examples, reviews, accreditations, companies worked with logos and those kind of things. What do you think is like the weight between the actual words you write and then using examples of people that you've helped to kind of build trust? Um, how do you think is, is there like a weighting of what's more important or what, what works harder? They they need to go together. And by that, I mean, and this is one of the mistakes I see often is the testimonials are a lot of times just sprinkled on a page just randomly, but you want to use them strategically. So in other words, if you're talking about something that your product does that um, is proven, it can be backed up by a testimonial, you want to have the, the social proof or testimonial right below that copy so that it backs up what you just said. So you know, if somebody's hmm. talking about your, um, you know, your website development service, and then you maybe you hit on a specific point about why you're different. And then the, the testimonial below that would ideally be someone who can back that up and says, yeah, I, you know, this is what happened. And it, it just sort of solidifies the point before it. Um, we Go don't on. always have those ideal testimonials is the problem, you know, so it's hard, but you want to try to weave them together that way. Yeah. 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 So try and make it relevant for the right. piece of information that was just before it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So move forward. What are some of the biggest mistakes? What are some of the biggest issues when it comes to, let's say in a B2B, maybe a software or a service provider environment, what are some of the main red flags or issues that people should avoid when it comes to their content or their copy? The biggest issue that I find and the one that I am hired for the most is to get the messaging down because and so value proposition, what is it that makes your product or service different than everyone else? And a lot of times, if it's something like a, a web development company where there's so many competitors, it can take a lot of time to dig into, 
you know, what are other people saying about your competitors? And it's the research that will pull that out. So that's number one is that I find the, the value proposition it either isn't upfront and in, in center on the, on the page, like the homepage, or it's not clear. You know, a lot of times we want to have like an overarching statement to get more people, but it actually works against you. You want to really niche down. Yeah. What, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think makes a good value prop? For example, let's say a website homepage headline. What what makes what's the difference between a good and a bad one? One, there's actually five criteria for a value prop, and this is like the scorecard that I use when I create them for my own clients. It needs to be unique. It needs to be desirable, something that people want. Um, it should be very specific, which is where a lot of people drop the ball. Um, succinct, you know, to the point, and then memorable. You know, like the most famous one is the Eminem, you know, melts in your mouth, not in your hands kind of thing. That was supposed to be like, I heard that's the original value prop. It says everything in that one sentence. So that's like, I literally use a scorecard when I'm creating a value prop. Is it memorable? Is it, you know, desirable? And and so on. So those are the, the ways to really measure your value prop. Yeah. And to dive into that a bit deeper, are there any tips for a business that perhaps wants to find these things out to actually make something that's going to be memorable, desirable? I mean, the specific, I suppose they can work out for themselves by being clear on what it is they do and, and who they help. Um, are there any ideas around how they can gather that information or source mm -hmm. that data to then put into a juicy value proposition that's actually going to make them stand out from the hundreds of thousands of competitors that they might have that are perhaps trying to do similar? I mean, it's the research, but I out of all the research, I always talk about, I have a 50 point uh, checklist that I use for my research, which is, okay. that's my value prop is that that's you know, how deep I go into it. But part of that and the most important part, my opinion is the conversations you have with your customers. Hmm. And so, so many times I'll be interviewing someone and they'll say something about the, the you know, my client that immediately I know this is this is going to be part of the value proposition because it's exactly what I'm looking for. And yeah. so it, you want to be able to back up everything you say. And this goes for all your copy, by the way. It's not just the value prop, but everything should be backed up by either analytics, um, all the research, your customers, have, you know, ask yourself, would your customer say this? Because a lot of times I see a headline and say, no one's ever using those words. You know, like, do you do they wake up and say, I want, you know, whatever it is that you have there? And if not, then you need to find out what they're saying and what your competitors are saying or what your competitors are doing and what people are not getting from your competition. So you got to fill that gap in. Yeah, cool. Um, Linda, I want to do something a bit different. And hopefully you're up for it because we're halfway through a recording now. I want to <laughs> do a, a live actionable takeaway so i want to let's pretend we are let's keep it b2b let's say we're a service-based business i always say crm so let's say we're a niche crm service but maybe the crm we're providing is for what industry shall we pick i quite often say financial companies so maybe we'll say yeah crm for financial organizations let's say nice boring topic um so let's say we do that but let's say we're approaching we've our website's like six seven years old so we've realized that we need to kind of completely redesign all, all the main pages we need something fresh we need something that provides leads for our sales team so we definitely need converting copy 
what are the first steps that we need to take before we start putting words to pay, pen to paper or employ someone to do? What are the kind of initial steps right through to actually creating the copy that we need to follow? The first thing I do, well, the very first thing is a discovery call with the client. And this is like an hour long process of digging into questions about their customer that they probably haven't even thought about. And then the second thing, um, I, I get the analytics where, it, you know, see, so it's kind of the, the left brain and the right brain uh, research that I do. So the left brain is all the analytics. What is actually happening? Where are people dropping off? What is that page um, or pages or even, you know, what's the call to action that's not working? And then, you know, as I just mentioned, I, I ask for customer, um, it, you know, references, like who, who can I talk to? Okay. And, and that's, that's the first thing. And then I just start, I, I go through social media, um, like 80% of what I do is the research. And okay. once I get that done, the copy almost writes itself, you know, but those are the things. So I ask for a lot from the client. And a lot of times that's the hardest part because it takes time to really nail all that down. Yeah. Is that what yeah, you yeah. Does that answer your question? Like that, that's certainly kind of help. Wrong. I'm going to dig into that some more if I may. So that research, so 80% is research, which I'm sure a lot of people that's, that's going to be quite, quite a shocking stack. Cause I know when I first thought of content, I thought, Hey, don't need to do that much research. You can just start writing about how great your company is. Um, it, <laughs> oh, it should be so easy. <laughs> it turns out that's not necessarily the best way is typically people are going to want to know what's, what's in it for them um, or how you're going to help them. So yeah, you mentioned talking to the client directly and then kind of doing customer interviews and things like that. So if you could perhaps, if we could kind of delve into that in a bit more depth as in what we're trying to look for and why we're interviewing them and what the kind of things we should be asking so we can kind of help help our audience understand kind of what, sh what should these interviews be like? What do we want to learn? What's the point of it? Um, and what, what are the takeaways? I know that's a, a long-winded question. <laughs> for the discovery call with the client or or the customers or both? I guess both. Well, the, what I'll do is I'll, I'll hit on the ones on the, the, on the client side, the questions that I find are hardest to answer. Cause I usually, I do this on zoom and so I can always tell when someone just has no idea. Um, what is the voice? What's your brand voice or your ideal customer's voice and what, you know, how, like, how do they perceive you and how do you want to be perceived? Those are, I mean, I ask like 50 questions. So those are the ones that pop up. Otherwise it's, you know, I do talk about demographics and all the things that you would expect, but sure. I really dive into what is the mindset of the person who you're trying to attract. And so with the customers, um, I try to keep these calls to 15 minutes because people really, usually they're executive level and they really don't want to waste a lot of time. So I get right into what made you, what made you make the decision to go with this company? What, who okay. else and what else did you try before this? What, you know, who are their competitors and why, you know, what was that tipping point that made you go in this direction? Um, okay. And then what's the before and after picture of what was, what was the challenge and how, how are things now? And those are yep. probably the most important ones. Okay. So talking about different points along these customers experience with the brand, with the client and why they picked with them, how they helped results. Right. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long. 
but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh, my God. Ah, yes. All right. Via ownership to... One of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? exactly how it should have happened this is exactly how it should have happened i could have done it oh my god you are incredible so there it is proof of the power of chili piper book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash bgs that's c-h-i-l-i-p-i-p-e-r.com slash bgs chilipiper.com forward slash bgs charles runs a software company He gets a decent amount of leads through his website, through paid ads, but when it comes to the organic, non-paid listings on Google, his competitors are stealing his visibility, traffic, and customers, all because they rank higher than him on organic search with SEO, search engine optimization. He set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Is there like a typical amount of clients that you tend to recommend people interview, like a number of clients? I usually talk to seven to 10 people um, and I'll know if it's enough when everyone starts saying the same thing. And so I will try changing the questions around, but a lot of times I'm going to working with a client right now where I've interviewed seven people and there's very similar things that they're saying. And I know that that's going to be in their copy. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit more than that, but I'll, I'll start with like 20 people. Cause most people will bail or they'll say, I'll talk to them <laughs> and they don't, you know, cause it's, yeah. we're all busy, you know? And then it's like, what's, what's sure. in it for them? It's like, well, if they really love the solution, which in this case they, they did, if they really love, you know, the, the results they got, they'll, they'll be happy to talk, but yeah, not always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not always to, not always that in- easy to get people for interviews for sure. I, I understand yeah. that. So are there certain things we should be looking out for as well when we're asking these questions? Are we looking for, like you mentioned there, patterns in what people are saying? Do we need to record the sessions or make vigorous notes with our pen and paper? Or what's what's a, a kind of recommended process there? I record them and then go back. Um, I use otter.ai, I think. Okay. Yeah, and so it, it transcribes as they're talking. Um, nice. The thing is, I like to really look for is the emotion because that's how mm. people make decisions. If, I'm sure you've heard. It's like we decide, make decisions based on emotion and justify with logic. So I try to get into that. And that can be a little hard, you yep. know, especially if it's someone who's very kind of guarded. And I've had people get on the phone with me who are suspicious of why I'm even talking to them. So I have <laughs> to say, listen, I'm not going to quote you. I'm just getting I'm just gathering information. Uh, but, how you know, how did you feel about that? What did um how did it kind of change your life? Cause everyone gives a surface answer answer like, Oh, well this, you know, I improved X, you know, tremendously. And and what was that like? You know, and that's when you get the, the really good, the good stuff and the good copy. 
Yep. Yep. So diving deeper to, to kind of surface yeah. level answers yeah. to, to get to the root of it. Gotcha. Okay. So we, we do these calls, we record them. What happens next um, in terms of kind of using that information, using what we've learned, what we've gathered, putting that together? Do we then chuck some of it on a page or what, what's kind of the, the process? <laughs> I, um, I have a system that I use where I just start categorizing. I tag, I have a, um, I use a platform called airstory.co and it's made for writers and copywriters. So I will tag every quote, like this is, I'm in the process of doing this right now with a couple of people and just like, say for example, somebody says, um, you know, talks about a pain point that really made them, you know, make this decision. I'll hashtag that pain, put it in a column. And then I just start assembling the whole thing because copywriting is really more about assembly than it is about writing. It's assembling all those pieces. I will choose what I think would be a good formula, which um, copywriting formula is the most popular one is PAS, problem, agitation, solution, if that's appropriate. So we start with the pain, you know, what is the problem or the pain point? Um, I'll put all those together. Yep. What, how can we agitate it? What is the actual scenario behind that? And then the solution. And that's usually the sequence. I mean, there's, there's like 25 different formulas you can use, but I usually start with that one because it's easiest and it's also usually relevant. Um, when it comes to SaaS though, sometimes, you know, you can start with a solution. Again, it depends on where they're coming from, what page is for, or, um, but usually you do the value prop at the top of the page. So immediately grab their attention, but those formulas. So then I just start arranging and assembling all of those pieces into that formula and start editing from there, pulling out what I think, you know, I need and deleting what doesn't work. It's a process yeah. and it's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, a lot. It's, it sounds quite detailed from what you're showing me now. Um, yeah. Like basically going through the recordings of the calls, tagging them up, what's relevant to each section, like what's relevant. I know you just laid out right. a framework there, problem, agitation, solution, what's perhaps relevant to the problem or the issue they faced. Exactly. What what then provokes that problem and then what, what, what talks about the solution, how you help them. Um, so it sounds like kind of gathering all these words that they're using, putting them together in relevant categories and subcategories. So they're all nicely organized and together. Right. <laughs> um, it sounds like something I'd be terrible at when it comes to organization. So probably not one for me. And then, um, okay, so we organize them all. And then did you say just start kind of laying them out in the page, starting with a value proposition? Is that is that the way to go? Or I usually come up with a few. Like there's usually, because people want choices, you know, so I'll come up with usually three value props I think would work. Um, cause all of this is presented, of course, you know, to the client and then I get their feedback. And if they say something's really off base, which is rare, I mean, it's cause it's, it's all based on research. It's not like it's my opinion, you know, but, yeah. um, and then they, we just talk about what, you know, what works and what doesn't. And one of the things I've posted about this on LinkedIn is that saying, I don't like it isn't a legit critique. If, if, if the copy is based on, you know, cause ego comes into into play. And a lot of times it's maybe the, the words are not something you would use, but your customers have used it. You know, so you have to be able to back it up. So I actually have a clause in my contract that says, please limit feedback to legal. If somebody says this isn't going to fly with the legal department, or um, if it's not, um, if it's not clear, or there's something that's just obviously wrong with the statement, yeah. Um, then we can talk about it. But if it's just, you know what, I don't like this because people, especially if there's all gathered around and 
I had this is a, a, something I heard in a book about marketing that said, you know, people sit around in, in boardrooms and inhale their own fumes. It's like, they, you know, they love, oh, we're all bouncing things off and this sounds great. And it doesn't matter how it sounds if your customers have said it and it's backed by research. Yeah. I suppose what you could say in that case is that's fine, but we interviewed like 10 customers and they all said this was their problem. So why don't we just use the words out of the customers' mouths? Because they're the people buying our shit. It. Yeah. I said, just test it. You know, and if if you're right, I mean, it'll prove. I mean, it's not I don't have an ego attached to this is what your customer said. Mm. And if you put it out there and and sometimes it doesn't, you know, if the value prop has already strong and some people do come to me and they they don't have a lot, you know, that I think I can really fix. You may not see a, a big jump in conversions, but if someone's very vague and then I come up with something that, you know, is is much more specific, it can make a huge difference. So yep. it depends on what they already have and that kind of thing too. Yeah. And how much of this is using the actual phrases or words that our customers that we've interviewed, our clients, prospects that we've interviewed, and then positioning them on a page? So let's say, for example, we're working on a homepage. So we've just done the value prop that we talked about then. And then maybe as we go down the page, perhaps we've got to talk about the services. Perhaps we've got to talk about how it's going to fix a problem or how it's going to improve their life um, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How much of that is just literally using what the customer says? How much of it do we need to craft ourselves if we're putting together the content? How, what's the kind of flow for the, the rest of the page in that situation? Well, usually I have an idea of what I want to say for that particular paragraph or sentence. And so it it depends on you know, because I don't put direct quotes, but I will use the words and kind of weave it into the messaging. So it's kind of hard to describe, but um, sure. yeah, it's it, it really depends. But yeah. I always have it in mind because when I do all that research, it's not just that I'm writing all the stuff down, but I'm absorbing everything. Like I'm mm. good at remembering stuff. So it's kind of the voice. Is this the voice of the customer? Would they say this? And then I double check myself. I'll go back and forth. It's it's really a back and forth process. And 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 if I do some, if I, sometimes I write things and I think this sounds really good, and then I think, okay, I like it, but it's just now my ego's getting in the way. No, this isn't what they would say, and I have to take it out. And that's gotcha. probably the hardest thing about writing. It's not always what you want to say, but it's what what they want to hear. So yeah, I like that take. And from your experience, appreciate every situation, every company is going to be a bit different, but how much of an impact does this tend to have when you do the process that you've just laid out for us there, as opposed to just letting a company go with whatever the heck they think is going to be great and just <laughs> writing their own copy at free will? What's the, what's the kind of difference in impact from your from, from some of the clients that you've worked with and results that you've seen? Well, it's harder to measure on something like a landing page or a, a website page because it's not as quickly converting versus an email or an ad. So right. emails, you know, they go out, you immediately can get, you know, how, what's the open rate? What's the click rate? I've had um, as much as a thir- you know, like 30% on a lot of the work that I've done. Some of it, like the website copy that I've done, like the recent ones, I'm actually waiting to hear back from some people. But it can take like months, like six months to really see, you know, a difference in the analytics. So um, it depends. I've had like registrations for, there was someone I was working with and they had a, a webinar they wanted registrants to sign up for and they had a 50% increase. Um, but, you know, it depends on, there's so much that goes into it beforehand. You know, that, that's why I can't 
offer yeah. guarantees because people are like, oh, what, what can you do for me? I don't know how engaged your audience is. I don't know what you've done before. So yeah, it depends on, on the audience, especially with emails. Because some yep. people are like, well, I haven't emailed my list in you know a year, and this literally has happened, and now I want you to do an email sequence, and let's see how it goes. <laughs> like, well, there's no there's no baseline, you know, in that situation. Yeah, and I guess this is my interpretation of it, Linda. And feel free to tell me that I'm completely wrong because I don't mind. Um, is like let's say in a website example, because that's my space. Is that copy is certainly a huge um a huge element there's no no doubt in in my mind on that but then there's also a lot of outside factors i.e is the website getting a a decent amount of traffic visitors in the first place are they the right type of audience are they people that are actually interested in your stuff are they searching on google for what you do are they quite targeted or are they just coming from all kinds of channels with no clue about what you do thus meaning they're not even in your ideal client profile and therefore no matter how good your content is they're never going to convert because they don't even want to see what you do. They've just flicked right. onto your site and bounced straight off. So things like that. And then as we go on, your, your website needs to kind of load fast, have an engaging design, build some trust, make it easy for people to get in touch. So there's a, there's a few other outside factors, I suppose, that um, the content can always be blamed for. There's a lot. And I, actually, <laughs> as you were talking, I was thinking, you should tell people 10% is a good amount of, of a conversion increase. Yep. It depends on, again, you know, what it is, what, I mean, it could be zero to 50%. I mean, it, and it's also like, when it comes to email, how many people yeah. are on the list that makes a difference. You sure. know, I mean, if you have a hundred or if you have a thousand and, you know, again, how engaged are they? You know, so yeah, it's hard on, on landing pages. I wish it were easier because I'd like to have more stats on that. And I, I don't yet accept, you know, People like what I'm doing and they're saying they're seeing more traffic and they're seeing people staying on it long. That's the other thing. You look at bounce rate, you know, and where are they bouncing? Where are they going, landing on and not getting the information that they want? Yeah, I suppose the, the good thing about this, though, is because you're going to your you're going to your target customers. You're understanding what the reason why they chose the product or service, you're understanding what they actually care about. You're understanding how they describe the offering, what they're getting out of it. So you're doing the best possible first standpoint for what we've been talking about landing pages and websites and then it's basically saying that we're in a great position because we're basically gearing it up for the target clients we want to interact and then over time we can measure things like website analytics how well things convert and if we wanted to make tweaks we can but it means that we're putting us in the best kind of solid position from day one really yeah and even like the value prop people get nervous and they say oh the value prop means i can't change it you can change it i mean you have to you know it's always about testing with marketing. I mean, you know, it's, it, and that's what I tell people if they start pushing back on the copies, like, well, just let's test this against this and see how they perform. That's always yeah. the answer. It's like, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it. Definitely test. That's one of the biggest things. That's, that's great, Linda. I think we've gone through quite a nice little, little framework there that people can take away and put into play when it comes to writing their own site copy. Any final points for, for anyone that's still not quite convinced that they should go under this process or that they think they're very, very capable of writing all their content internally? Uh, you know, it's, for one, it's like I said, you should try it. But if your messaging is off, everything's off. I've had, I've had people t- tell me, you know, I've been working at this business for three years and I still can't get my messaging right. And nothing's going to work until you get the copy, the messaging and your value prop super clear. Yeah. 
Nicely put. Well, that that's that's it from us, Linda. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you sharing your your knowledge and your insights and uh, thoughts around content and copywriting to convert with us today. With that said, please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can connect with you, more about your business, and the best way to get in touch. My website is thecopyworks.com, W-O-R-X.com. Or you can email me at Linda at thecopyworks.com. I have my own podcast which Sam is going to be on soon. Um, and that is the B2B uh, marketing and copywriting podcast. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm very active on there. Awesome. And we'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, thanks once again for coming on, Linda. Enjoy the chat. <laughs> no worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not leave us a quick rating on your audio podcast channel? Or if you're tuning in on YouTube, a subscribe goes a long way. And with that, we should catch you on the next one for more actionable, no BS marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers for tuning in.